The agenda for the dark forces is to discourage you. It's not to encourage you. So these experiences, which add life, that's what the Holy Spirit does, is adds life. Hey guys, welcome to Authentic Talks. I'm really excited about this episode. I am talking with another author who's here to share his perspective. And I hope that you guys find that there's value in this episode. Okay, you guys, I'm not going to keep you in suspense for too much longer. I'm excited for you guys to meet today's guest who is, as I mentioned, an author. He is also a journalist, a veteran of the U.S. Air Force, and he wears many hats, you guys. He loves writing and his book is available on Amazon today, you guys. The name of the book is called The Paranormal Christian, More True Stories of the Strange and Unusual Christian Life. I love this topic today that we're talking about. It's all those things that sometimes you're like, I can't tell anybody that that just happened or that we just saw that thing move. You know, it's that type of stuff. And so he explores areas that most Christians will shy away from. And so we do discuss that in today's episode as well, briefly. And I hope that you guys enjoy the episode. Welcome to the show. Please welcome... Richard D. Lewis to Authentic Talks. Authentic Talks is all about authentic conversations. This show is all about growth, love, respect, success, mind, body, and spirit. If you're looking to grow and become your authentic self, then this is the podcast for you. And I am your host, Shantae. Welcome to the show. Hi, Richard. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hi, Shante. Thank you so much for having me. I am doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing good. I'm really excited to have you on the show. I'm excited about your new book. Congratulations on your book. Thank and you. And before we dive in with our, our show, can I have you introduce yourself to our listeners? I'd be happy to. So my name is Richard Lewis. I am an author and a journalist. I'm a veteran of the armed forces and I'm also an enthusiast of all things spiritual, unusual, strange, the paranormal. I've been interested in this stuff since I was a little kid. And the thing is, is I've been, you know, a faithful Christian my whole life. And there seemed to be this uh, tension between being a Christian, being a person that goes to church, being someone that follows uh, Christ, and having this interest in these other things. And uh, what I started noticing was like a lot of people in, in the church are really reticent to, to go there to discuss these topics. And there's some valid questions that people have. And the other thing, too, is I noticed that there's a lot of Christians who are interested in this. You know, they may not talk about it in church, but you go to a family, any family gathering, people are going to have ghost stories. They're going to talk about, oh, you remember that house that, uh, that your auntie lived in and how at night we would hear somebody coming up and down the stairs and there was nobody there, you know, those kind of stories or having an experience where a departed loved one comes to visit one in, in, in your dreams. And, you know, what does it mean? And if they go to the, their pastor or, you know, some leader, elder in the church, bishop, something like that, and they ask them, you know, what's going on and they don't get the, get the right answer, you know, that can be unsatisfying. And then there's this other thing where, you know, you got other people that they don't want anything to do with the church. They've had bad experiences or they've just heard different things, but they're interested in the unknown, the unusual. So what I found is, is like, really, this can all be explained through a proper understanding of the faith as revealed. And uh, so that's what I want to do is kind of break those barriers down to let people in the church know there's nothing wrong with wondering uh, about questions about life and death and the afterlife. And what does it all mean? And why are we here? These things 
these questions of purpose people have, they want to know what, what, did, what does it all mean? It surely it must mean something. And then the same thing to the people outside the church. I want to let them know that, hey, the church is a place for uh, for souls, for our feeling. It's, it's about love. That's that's the that's the example Jesus said. And it's about like we we welcome you. We want we want you in our midst. And we we're not trying to alienate or ostracize you for, you know, your interest in things like that, because it's all a part of the big picture, all a part of the providence, uh, all a part of creation. Well, congratulations on writing the book. And I'm excited for you about this journey because I think it's definitely one that is needed. It is welcome and embraced with open arms. And you said a few things there in your introduction that I just want to go back and like, I'm like, ooh, 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 let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. You mentioned like how there is this, it's almost like a divide with the church. We grew up in the church and I remember having some experiences that no one could explain. And I was afraid to even really take it to anybody that was like higher up in the church because I was afraid that they would say, oh, that's just a devil. So you just kind of was stuck with it, but you're like, no, I know what that was. And it wasn't what they think. Yeah. That's the thing is the Bible tells us that all things have been given to us for, for our, our understanding and, and, and revealed to us. God is not a God of confusion and you shouldn't have to go outside of the faith to find these answers. And you know, out of a preponderance of caution, many people in the church, many leaders will say like, hey, you know, stay away from this world. And for good reason, because, you know, you can delve into areas that you can get yourself into trouble. It's kind of like if you go into this side of town, you might encounter some certain things. So maybe just don't go on that side of town and you won't encounter those things. It's kind of like that kind of deal. But you know what? There might be some people on that side of town that need to that you need to interact with, that there's a reason. Maybe God is actually sending you over there across the railroad tracks. You can't have pat answers. And so, especially evangelical Christians, everything is a demon if it's unexplainable. Well, that's a demon. Well, this is a demon. Well, that's a demon. Well, I'm sorry, but like my mom coming to visit me in a dream, I know what my mom's spirit feels like. And I know that's not a demon because the agenda for the dark forces is to discourage you. It's not to encourage you. So these experiences, which add life, that's what the Holy Spirit does is adds life. I had a dream where my mom appeared to me and I just knew it was my mom and she didn't say a lot. And, you know, a lot of times uh, departed loved ones, uh, spirit beings, they don't have a lot to say but to just bless you with their presence. Or if they say something, it's very few, very few words. My thought is that it's a, it's a telepathic thing. You know, it's a, it's, it's energy manifesting and it's, you know, they just can't carry on a conversation probably the same way they used to when we were together in the physical. Now we'll be reunited again someday where we'll have those interactions, but for now they bless you with their presence. So I had this experience the next morning on the way to work, I got right in behind someone in traffic here on the 405 heading North in the Los Angeles area who had a big giant mom on their license plate right after getting up out of that dream with my mom. And then that night, it was a Friday. They play ancient aliens on Fridays. So I was watching that and I started, my wife was in the kitchen. She was in there, you know, um, I don't know, like uh, just doing some chores and things while I was kicking, (laughs) kicking back. And I started telling her the story about, uh, you know, I was like, mom came to me in my dream and it was, it was wonderful. And then I, I told her about the license plate that I saw And then, uh, and it was my mom's birthday. And she said, happy birthday, mom. And at that same exact moment, I looked on the television screen and there was this, this uh, ancient artifacts they was talking about. And it had what looked exactly like an M O M right there on the screen, right. As we were saying these words, I immediately froze the screen, took a snap of it. And it's in, it's in my book, the paranormal Christian book two. 
you know, now I didn't put the lady's license plate because uh, I thought maybe that might be some kind yeah. of infraction, you know, she might like, <laughs> but I'm telling you, I saw it and uh, I actually had it in one of my early drafts and one of my, uh, you know, one of the editorial staff was just like, hey, Rich, you might want to pull that out, man. Like that might not be cool. Right. I'm like, you know what? You're right. I can't be putting people's <laughs> license plates, but it was just all in good, in good, you know, with a good spirit of love. But like, you know, so you can't tell me. So if I go to church and somebody says, well, that was a demon. No, man, I know my mom's spirit. You're not going to, now you call my mom a demon. Come on now. It was either um, they say that it's a demon or mm -hmm. that um, the soul is not resting in peace. But I was like, mm -hmm. no, I don't believe that. And so I got to the point right. where it shut me down. So I don't e I didn't even talk about anything until I was dang near this age. <laughs> well, you know, that's it's interesting because ghosts are something that's a common experience and not just in the Western world. I mean, this is a common experience across across time, across all cultures and around the planet. And so that the weight of evidence uh, of just witness testimony is enough to make a, a compelling argument for the existence of ghosts. But the Bible doesn't say that there are no ghosts. In fact, it would actually imply just the opposite, you know, and I talk about this in my paranormal Christian book series, but, you know, just a couple of examples, Jesus disciples thought he was a ghost when he walked on the water. And that's right out of the Bible. That's out of Matthew 14, chapter 14, verse 26. In the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart. It is I do not be afraid. Or he actually said in the, in the original tongue, I am, I am God, you know, don't be afraid. But here's the thing. If there were no such thing as ghosts, he could have debunked it right there. He could have been like, come on guys, you know, it's me. How long have I been with you? You know who I am and where I'm coming from. You must know. But no, he didn't debunk it there. And then even more so, this item came up again in the resurrection where they thought he was a ghost because the Bible says that he appeared among them, you know, in the resurrection. And if you uh, you take a look at that, and that's in Luke chapter 24, it says they were startled and frightened thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. So that right there if that isn't a proof text for, for the existence of ghosts, he's actually telling, basically defining what a ghost is right there. Yeah. So, and either way, they obviously believed in ghosts. And I mean, I tend to take Jesus's word for things, you know, as a Christian. So, so there is truth to that because uh, of the fact that you talk about spirits, not at rest. And there's many different definitions for what ghosts can be, but you know, it's like a pat answer, a ghost, like a spirit, a ghost, you know, like my experience of my mom, this is my mom. She's on the other side, but she's still somehow God is allowing a provision here. And this happens. You see it in all families, every family, every person I've interviewed with this topic has had some experience with, you know, God forbid, if a child, you know, passes away or it's certainly a beloved parent, even, you know, uh, especially parents and their children, you'll experience your mom or your dad in a dream. That's such a common experience. Mm -hmm. And it's not your imagination. You know, you know your what your mom's spirit, your dad's spirit feels like. But yeah, everything's a demon. No, I don't think so. That's not to say demons aren't real. I mean, I know that demons are real. I've seen with my own eyes. I've experienced, I've seen, I've actually seen diabolical manifestation and see what that looks like. And that's different than this experience of some of these ghost experiences or some of these departed relatives and, and the the blessing when they when they visit you. So it's not just a pad answer. Everything's not a demon. I mean, that I mean, I guess in a way that'll keep you safe, but you might miss out on something too, because, <laughs> you know, you know, it could be somebody friendly. Right. 
Exactly. When you were a child, did you have any experiences at that time or did yours come when, as an adult with your mom? Was that the first encounter that you had? My first encounter with yeah. the supernatural happened um, as a child, as a very young child. And this is this is back in the day, you know, it's not like today. Like we, we keep, a, we keep a close eye on, on our kids back in the day. We'd go outside and play all day long. Nobody knew where you were nobody had cell phones. Yeah, they it didn't care like, about us back yeah, then. <laughs> you know, it was just like, we were the, I'm a Gen X, you know, so we were latchkey kids and you know, most of our, half our parents were divorced or remarried people working third shift. You were on your own, man, figuring stuff yeah. out, you know? So, and this, even as a young kid, that was, it was that way. So first and second grade, I used to walk uh, over two miles from the where the bus let me off to get to my grandma's house because my mom my mom was a single parent at the time and working third shift and things like that and and working two jobs sometimes three jobs just to just to put food on the table and you know so I mean I would took this trek and I was six seven year old kid that's a two miles kind of a long way you know day in and day out it went without incident this one day and I detail this in actually in my first book the paranormal Christian book one. I had to cross these railroad tracks. I was, um, you know, you can look at a map and look at Greensboro, North Carolina, where I grew up and you see Pine Street there, Pine Street heading across to go to East Market Street. You cross these railroad tracks, which basically circled the entire city. As I'm crossing the tracks, this older teenager, he was like 16 or 17. He's like, hey, kid, wait up, wait up. You know, like I say, I'm just a skinny little kid. And I just like, you know, we're taught like to, you know, you obey your elders and things. So I kind of froze and he caught up to me. And pretty soon I realized that I wasn't free. I had lost my freedom because I tried to tell him, hey, I got to get to my granny's house. She's probably worried about me. And every time I tried to leave, he would grab me. And, you know, we had cars passing by, you know, and they was a couple of the cars would actually slow down because they like probably look a little bit suspicious. And then he would do some really like he would grab my hands and act like we were dancing and act like we were playing. So they probably thought, oh, he's his big brother or whatever, his uncle, something like that. So I was abducted and not abducted by aliens, uh, which is, um, you know, when you start talking paranormal, sometimes people want to go there with it. You know, it wasn't like a beam of light or anything. I didn't get beamed up to ET or anything. No, it was a very human uh, experience. And um, he took me down these railroad tracks to a dilapidated shack. We walked for quite some time. And uh, in the shack was another another individual, an older man. So the two of them kept me there for a while. And uh, I didn't really understand what was going on at the time, but it was obviously I knew I could sense that it was, it wasn't good. And they were asking me questions. They shouldn't have been asking me. They were making me do embarrassing things. And finally, at this one point, they decided the younger man wanted to tie me up right away. And the older man, I was struggling. I was screaming. So he, he made him stop. But then finally he's like, okay, yeah, let's go ahead and tie him up. So they went to tie me to this, down to this chair and they had a, like a nylon rope. And I had been, like I said, in captivity this, this whole time, not able to flee. And the older man was standing behind me while the younger man was standing in front of me. And they set me down in a chair and the younger man came around with the rope. It was like a, 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 like a nylon rope, like something you might tie something to your car or whatever. And um, as he came around, just in the, in the fumblings of trying to tie me up, the, their hands, their hands cut loose for just a, just a split second. And in that moment in time, I heard a voice as clear as day. And, and it was like a commanding voice that said, run now. So I immediately jumped up and took off towards the uh, the door of the shack. And I mean, I could basically feel this kid's uh, breath on the hairs of my neck as I was trying to get away. And, you know, the, there was a there was a little latch on it on the inside. I had to I had to fumble through that, open that latch. And he was running. Mean, he was right on top of me. And I mean, I burst out of that door, took off running. And I mean, I tell you, Shante, I've never felt so full of energy like my legs 
never moved so fast. Like I felt just filled. And like, when I looked down, my legs were like a blur and I ran, I never ran that fast in my life. I never felt such energy coming through my body. And I don't know how I did it. I, I, I mean, I, I think it was a miracle, but I outran this kid, this, this older, stronger, bigger kid. And I ran, I'll never forget looking back behind me. And I mean, he was yelling the whole time, Hey, come back, wait, kid, wait. And I turn around and look behind me and he finally just doubles over in exhaustion. And I mean, I, I didn't even stop. I mean, I kept all the way back up the embankment, all the way down the railroad tracks, all the way back to Pine Street and all the way across without missing a beat across, you know, East Market, which is a is a four lane thoroughfare, you know, right through, you know, whatever cars. I'm right to my right up yeah. the steps to my grandma and right into her arms. And my auntie was there, too, because by this time they were all both. They were both outside looking for me. Like, what happened? Like, where have you been? Wow. And, you know, so that was my first true encounter with the voice in a uh, in a dramatic way. And, you know, I talk about this in, in my, my book series, The Paranormal Christian. I actually have a whole chapter on the voice, chapter 15 in book one. But that voice that, you know, this voice, the Bible talks about it. It talks about a small, still voice. You know, God will speak to us. And whether it's Jesus, the Holy Spirit, your guardian angel, it really doesn't matter. It's all coming from God and through his providence. And God saved me that day. I'll forever be grateful. So I know I must be here for a reason, you know, because I don't think I would be here if they would have, you know, did whatever they were trying to do. But God was always there. And so I would be on, like I said, again, unsupervised on walks. And I never, I don't think I had the greatest sense of direction. Sometimes I would get lost. You know, I would be catching city buses from one end of the town to the other. Every now and then I'd be in some neighborhood. I didn't know where I was. I didn't know where I was going, but I was never alone. I never felt alone. And I would hear that voice and it would be like, Hey, okay, turn right here. Okay. Now I know you need to go this way. Oh no, turn around. It would literally be telling me these things. And I could just basically follow the guidance. It was like a like a GGPS, like God's GPS. And I would get, I would make it home. I would get where I needed to go every time as soon as I surrendered to the Lord. So once I got old enough to start going to church and, and I, my grandma was the first one to take me to church and they started talking about God. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. I know. I know who that is. I know who yeah. God is. Well, let's yeah. Take me. I want to learn all about it, but I mean, I already know. So you go to church, you learn like the books of the Bible, you learn uh, the stories and what's revealed to us. So to understand that, but God doesn't need a religion or a book to reach you. I mean, the, the Bible says that the heavens declare his handiwork. So, you know, the Native American spiritual traditions, the people, people all over the planet, they, they, whatever is there, God reaches through whatever means he can't, you know, even if you have nothing else but the stars and the sky and the moon, you're going to understand there's God, there's something bigger than me. And then whatever it goes from that. So, so yeah, that's kind of how I understand things. Uh, that's how the paranormal Christian sees it. And, you know, it makes a lot of sense. It's all interesting. And I love that you're doing this seriously, that you wrote the book, because I know that it's more to it now. Well, you know, and this this work is really not for skeptics per se, because, you know, a skeptic, you know, the Bible even says that, that you know, they won't believe even if a person comes back from the dead. And, you know, that's exactly what happened with a lot of people when, when Jesus returned to us. But that's the same thing today. A skeptic is a skeptic is a skeptic. I'm not trying to prove anything. If this work calls to you, if this is interesting to you, all I want to do is make it available. If you have any questions, I want to be able to answer the questions that you have, but I want to give you hope too. That's the thing that people need in this world. They need hope to know that this isn't all there is. You know, that's what a lot of people think is like, you know, this is like, it's like a computer shutting down a light, a light turns off, you know, actually that'd be an easy way out, wouldn't it? And that's the thing about it is like, that's, it's not that easy, but I can tell you, I can promise you that, that this essence that, that we are, the Bible teaches that we're, that we're components of three parts, uh, spirit, soul, and body. That's right out of 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23. And a, a lot of people, even in the church, don't understand what that means. But 
you the spirit animates the body and that's what creates the soul that that union of spirit soul of spirit and body and that's the soul that's your consciousness what you how you're perceiving life in the physical but when the spirit leaves the body the body is no longer body because then it's a corpse and you no longer have the soul because the spirit separate from the body until we're reunited to a new body and the bible promises that you know, will one day be reunited to a resurrection body. There's difference of opinions of when that's going to happen. Some people think it happens right after death. Some people think it happens when Jesus comes back. I know we've promised to promise a new body and a new new heavens and new earth. It's not here yet. You know, some people say, well, maybe you get reunited to a new body in, in reincarnation and again and again, you know, and I even go there in my book, I talk about reincarnation. So we're not afraid to discuss these topics and look at them through the lens of the Bible and through what all does of the it, Bible say about reincarnation? Well, first of all, let me tell you what the church says. And the church says that reincarnation is a heresy. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. So, um, like you know, it's not a real thing. It's, it's definitely not a real thing. They think it's a false teaching, yeah. but that doesn't mean that Christians don't believe in reincarnation or in time haven't believed in reincarnation. I personally do. This is not something to really, you know, like, so it's not a matter of soteriology, you know, in, in, in theological terms, salvation, things like that, what we understand from the faith. It's nothing like that, in my opinion. Okay. You can believe in it or not believe in it. And I don't think that it affects you either way. I don't think it does harm to believe in it. And it's just a personal revelation. I believe it. Uh, I look at past life memories. The evidence is compelling. So many people, all these little kids like James Legner, for example, who as a little boy had all these past life memories of being a, a World War II pilot. And his parents were Christian parents. They wrote this book called Soul Survivor. They were not believers in reincarnation. They became believers through their son because they started researching the stuff he was talking about. He kept talking about Natoma. He was drawing pictures of airplanes crashing in the ocean. Uh, aircraft carriers. He knew what a drop tank was on a, a World War II era fighter plane. It's and he was calling it a drop tank because he couldn't even pronounce it yet. And it looks like a bomb. Most people would think it was a bomb. I didn't even know what a drop tank was. And I'm an Air Force veteran. You know, he actually knew people from the crew. So they they finally reunited uh, young James with the crew of the of the of the Natoma, the ones that were still living. And he knew them all by name, even though they were now old men. You know, mm-hmm. that's compelling. Now, again, like you could go to the pat answer was well, demons. It must be demons. It's Satan. Well, how I mean, that's all that is, is encouraging. You know, how is that demonic? I mean, there's no there's no gain from Satan, in, in my opinion. So and, you know, Jesus said that John, you know, was Elijah. He said because there was a prophecy that Elijah would return. And he said that John he said, you know, John is for those that understand John is Elijah. So he was, he didn't say he's like Elijah, you know, he didn't say he's a kind of Elijah, he said he's, he's, he's Elijah, but you know what, he's also John. So what does that mean? You know, to me, I'm not saying it's it's a definite uh, a proof of reincarnation, but to me, it implies reincarnation. And when they talked about, when you hear the disciples discussing it, they're like, who do you say that he is? You know, who do they say you are? You know, are you John? Are you Elijah? You know, are you, uh, uh, you know, Elisha, Elijah, any of the old prophets? returned. So there seems to be that implication there. And then there's other uh, church fathers like Origen. I'll talk about this in book one, the paranormal Christian, you know, Origen definitely taught, uh, believed in the pre-existence of souls. Some say he believed in reincarnation. He definitely believed in worlds before ours. And I get into all these interesting topics in my book series, the paranormal Christian, which anybody that's interested, you can check it out on richarddlewisauthor.com. Heck yeah. I think it's a definitely a, a book that is like the kind that you just can't put down. You know what I mean? Where you're like, Ooh, <laughs> I got to read the next chapter. I get that. Know? I, 
Yeah, you know, Shante, I get that a lot from, from people who um, it's like talk about strange and paranormal things. Like I had a lady, I did a book signing for the launch at Barnes and Noble in um, in Manhattan Beach, California. And there were a lot of people there at the store. And for the people that bought the book, there's one lady in particular who was brought her daughters there. She wanted me to minister to them. She bought a book, you know, she asked me to sign it and everything. Well, she went home and then she told me about her friend and her friend had a dream. And she said, I had a dream where this book came to me in my dream. And then she saw this lady, she's the, my book, she saw on this lady's you know coffee table and she said, that's the book. And so the lady was like, okay, well then it must, that must be meant for you. So she gave her book one. Meanwhile, she had just gotten book two in the, in the mail and already started reading book two. Mm-hmm. So you see how it's, how, how it's, it's like, I mean, I, that's wild. And I believe in people- synchronicities and all of that. Oh, yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. Like how you talked about that, the license plate and the TV. Yes. I've had that too, yes. where it's like, okay, this is a sign, you know, absolutely. No, like, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, some people in the church will be like, you know, the Bible says that a wicked generation looks for a sign. Oh, yeah. We're not talking, we're not talking about a matter of not having faith. I don't need any of this stuff. Like the paranormal, I didn't go look for the paranormal. The paranormal came looking for me. You know what I mean? And so, so even though God doesn't have to give you a sign, he still does it out of love. It's mm-hmm. not, but it's not something you should look for or demand, but you know what? Sometimes we have temper tantrums. We demand things. God is patient with us, you know, because he's the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. He sees it all. The creator of time and space has to be outside of time and space. He knows where you started. He knows where you're going. <laughs> he knows where you're going to end up. He already knows all of it. That's why he can be so patient with us. But but synchronicities, they're there. Signs and wonders, you know, they're there. And I talk about that in, in book one. I have a whole chapter on synchronicity, on intuition. And that is actually the gateway for a lot of the experiences and understanding God. And again, the Bible talks about these things, though. It talks about a still small voice. It talks about prayer and fasting and, and receiving revelations. And it's promised to us. He says, you know, in the latter days, you know, your young men will have visions and your old men will dream dreams. That means that we're going to have these experiences. And, you know, sometimes it's just a nudge to let you know, hey, you're not alone. You yeah. know, I'm there. I'm with you. I'm with you all the way. What do you think about like, all of this astro projection and stuff that people are into? Well, here's the thing. Um, I've actually, uh, I actually interviewed Louis Monero, who is uh, one of the foremost uh, researchers in the out-of-body experience. And these folks, they study it from a scientific, not a spiritual perspective. Now, Louis uh, was a Catholic by birth and grew up as a Catholic, but now he has more of a they believe that, you know, people's religions kind of color the experience that you have. So you encounter a being that helps you. We would call it an angel. People that's more on the new side, of, a new age side of things might call it a guide, whatever. Like I said, it's all from God's agency and through his sovereignty. There are warnings in the Bible against certain things like mediumship, the occult, astral projection. And this turns a lot of people off who want to have a spiritual experience, who want to connect with God. But it's all about understanding the perspective. Again, these are cautionaries. You know, they're they're to keep you safe. The same thing is with the out-of-body experience. Now, if an out-of-body experience happens naturally because you're it's a near-death experience, you know, and I talk about this in book two. I actually have a whole chapter on the near-death experience. It's, it's chapter four. I talk about spirit, soul, and body what we're made of. And this is right out of the Bible. I talk about the other side and and after death communications. So we get into these things and those are natural ways. I believe that the soul travels during sleep as well. Mm -hmm. And, and then you can experience all kinds of things, but the Bible also talks about that silver cord. 
Now, the new age listeners are going to connect with that because they know about the silver cord and some of them even see it. You know, people that have that that vision to see into the spirit. So the Bible talks about the one day the bowl will break, the silver cord will be severed. And that's when your spirit goes off. So for sure, at that point, you're going to have an out of body experience. You know, we all have to have to encounter that having had after death communications with some folks, you know, and again, it happens It come people come to you in your dreams, but I've actually experienced people coming to me directly and having them talk to me. And this is kind of where, you know, mediums talk about this kind of stuff too, but you got to be real careful. Not So it's like, I wouldn't lean forward into it. You know what I mean? I wouldn't, I wouldn't practice it because like you said, I was talking to somebody who was having an, an out-of-body experience. They were astral projection by intent. They were doing it on purpose. And when they went to go back to their body, they said that there was a being there blocking them from returning to their body and trying to keep, prevent them from going back into their body, you know, and that's kind of spooky to me. So for yeah. me, I, I don't go after it. I mean, I'm interested to learn from people that do it, what they, what they experience, what they encounter. I wouldn't do it by, I wouldn't force it intentionally. Myself. Yeah. I wouldn't intentionally. Yeah. If it happens naturally, then I would say it's a natural occurrence. Then that to me is within God's providence. If he allows it, you experience something. There's nothing wrong with that. I used to fly every night. Oh yeah. I do that too. And then finally, after 10 years, I landed. Wow. The thing about dreams is interpreting dreams. You know, Joseph was a great dream interpreter. And I think that's a gift from God too, but there's so much symbolism in dreams. There's archetypes. Your subconscious is actually very good at sending loud, clear messages. The subconscious doesn't do it with words per se. It does it with imagery and it often exaggerated imagery. So sometimes, you know, somebody will have an experience with a dream and think that it's a profound spiritual experience, but it just might just be like something else that's trying to trying to nag at you and get your attention. But it can be spiritual. I personally think that when you dream about flying, if that's probably is your soul traveling, because your soul isn't uh, your, or I should say your spirit isn't encumbered by the physical in the way that we are. And it seems to me that that silver cord must have be like the kite strings when we were kids, you know, you send that kite up <laughs> to the sky, yeah. you get to the end of the string, just tie another string on and keep it on going. You know, you might even have, <laughs> or like a fishing line, you know, you might even have like one of those circular things. So I think, you know, I think you can do that without breaking the silver cord. So that's probably what you were doing. You were probably experiencing that, that spirit flight, but the landing of it to me implies that you crossed some kind of threshold where you reached a new growth moment in your spiritual awakening. Yeah. (laughs) There was some work happening there. There was some growth that was uh, being experienced through the dreams. And, you know, people get sick if they don't have REM sleep over time. You know, that's why, uh, you know, problems like insomnia, narcolepsy, things like that really need to be dealt with in a medical way because there's no replacing a good night's sleep, mainly because of that needed REM sleep where we go into those dream stages where we work these deals out. And I've had God reveal things to me before, One of the things I talk about in my books, I was in a corporate type situation and had a good relationship with my supervisor. And I didn't realize that a supervisor was about to transition and turn against me and become kind of like an enemy. So I had this dream where I was a department head at the time under his leadership. And in the dream, he had called a board meeting type thing around a table and all the other department heads were in the meeting along with me. And he had a jar a giant jar full of money, coins, dollars, and everybody around the table were reaching into the jar and taking out some of the money and by turn. And then it came to me. And so then when I went to put my hand in the jar, he said, stop. And he wouldn't let me. 
when I woke up from that dream, I was like, okay, I see what you're revealing to me, God, is you're letting me know that this manager is getting ready to turn away his goodwill towards me. And suddenly these other department heads started getting their agendas and their items funded and things that they needed. And the, the things that I wanted, it was always a no answer. The good thing about it though, was I was prepared because that dream already had me doing my research, doing my homework. So when these things came to me, I wasn't shocked. I wasn't surprised. And I was able to plan and, you know, make the best of the situation. You can get all kinds of revelations and dreams. I believe it too. I have shared this on a prior episode where I had seen a dog get hit by a car when I was a little girl and they buried the dog. And that night I was looking out the window and I seen the rib cage rise up and it was just rising up and I watched until I could no longer see it. And when I share that story with people, well, one particular person, she's like, there's no possible way. Like dogs, no, you didn't see that. Dogs don't deserve to go to heaven. I don't know who does. Talk about unconditional love. These are our friends, you know, dogs, cats, our pets. I think even goldfish and and, and on that level, my brother-in-law just, uh, just had a, his turtle passed away and he had this turtle for 20 years. And you know, just the sadness that was there, the loss. They're God's creatures, you know, so they still resonate with love. Everything down to the very atoms that make up our bodies, we're all made of star stuff, you know, 14 billion years of galaxies forming and dying to make what composes you and me all through God's sovereignty and providence. I mean, these are very advanced spiritual beings. What does the church say? The church likes to stay silent on this. If pushed to the to the limit, they would probably say that an animal like a dog or a cat, they have a material soul, but they don't have an immortal soul like we have. Too many people as they're crossing over have seen their pets uh, welcoming them. My childhood pet when I was a little kid, Bootsy, her name's Bootsy. She left this earthly plane a long time ago. I had a, I had a vision of her where she came to me. Later on, my dog Rocky, when he passed away, I saw him run around at my feet. I mean, the Bible doesn't promise it, but I'll tell you one thing. When Jonah was told by God to go to Nineveh because he wanted to convert the people of Nineveh, he wanted to save those people. Jonah didn't want to go. He didn't like those people. He tried to avoid it. He tried to run away from God to the point where God had to swallow him up inside uh, some type of aquatic creature, some kind of a giant fish whatever it was, he swallowed Jonah up for three days. And Jesus talked about the sign of Jonah because Jesus was, his body was in the earth three days. And he said, that's the sign I will give you when you ask for a sign. But Jonah avoided the people of Nineveh and finally God forced it. And he finally relented because he knew that God is a God of love and that he would forgive these people and he would save these people. So through his humanity, he failed, but then he succeeded. So, but here's the interesting thing about that, that story, little things like this that you might miss. When God spoke, he talked about the people of Nineveh, but then he said, and they have many animals too. (laughs) So why would he say that? Why would he say that? They have many animals too. That tells me that he cares about the animals also. And he created them. In Genesis, it tells us that when he created the animals, and you know, a lot of people think that Genesis is, is an allegory, that it's, that it's mythology, but there are truths that are revealed there. And it says that, that he brought the animals to Adam to see what he would call them. And isn't that interesting? Isn't that just like what you would do with a, as a parent to be like, I wonder what my kid's going to call this. And, you know, you could imagine him saying, you know, giraffe, elephant, lion. I can see God laughing and being like, oh, that's a good one. And who's to say? I mean, even if the scientific viewpoint of evolution, billions of millions and billions of years, or at least millions of years of human development, who's to say that at some point in time, he revealed himself to a, a man and a woman named Adam and Eve, and then said, now name the animals, see what it was. I don't think there's a problem correlating those things. Fluffy, 
<laughs> I think Fluffy might be there. You know, I mean, I can't promise it, but I've had experiences. I know other people have. You look around the earth. God is a God of diversity. You see diversity in everything, in the oceans, the sky, outer space, our physical realm. This world is teeming with life and all kinds of diversity. We're constantly discovering new creatures, new species that we didn't even know. You see diversity amongst all of us, diversities and in, in cultures and languages and shapes and sizes and everything else. And so God is a God of diversity. Why would all that go away when you go to heaven, the new heavens and the new earth? If anything, it's going to be even more spectacular. You know, there might be dragons flying around up there. You know, <laughs> who knows? Yeah. I mean, like uh, it could be even more fantastic than what we have here is not less. We'll you know, be God, like, oh, aliens really did exist. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe we're the aliens. You I know? know. You never know, right? <laughs> so, what does the church but, say about that? UFOs and all of about that. UFOs stuff. and aliens. It's very interesting because this actually made a lot of splash in the press because the Pope in 2014 was speaking to his to his clergy and he, he talked about baptizing aliens and that like made headlines around the world. And I don't think he meant for it to blow up in that <laughs> sense. You know, he was he was just saying, like, who am I to to prevent someone from from the grace of God? And this these are really interesting topics. Like I said, usually they won't go there in the church, but I actually do. I'm not afraid to tackle these subjects. In book two, I actually get into UFOs. In fact, I devote 20% of the book to the subject. And it's a complicated subject. It's not a, it's not oh, a pat yeah. answer for these things. You know, there's spiritual aspects to it. There's a book out now called Skinwalkers at the Pentagon, George Knapp and his, and his writing partner, where they, where they discuss these things. And they say like, Hey, the UFO experience is not just nuts and bolts. There's paranormal things happening. And, you know, I have answers for these things. And I feel like, and again, like right out of the Bible, there are answers. None of it discounts the faith. If, uh, if God made us, he could have made, there may be aliens out there. We really don't know. Mm-hmm. It can't be proven. You know, it's just not enough hard proof out there. I've been enjoying and, and entertained by this topic for years. I would love for there to be aliens out there personally. I don't think yeah. that we're the only thing that exists in this entire universe. I just yeah, don't believe it. it. Well, and I mean, you look at all the space out there, you know, 100 billion galaxies, which each have, you know, 100 billion star systems, something like that, to mm-hmm. think that we're the only thing out there just would be weird. Seems, seems like a waste of space. But we, you know, we can't say what a waste of space is because, you know, energy atoms, like the atoms that make up our bodies are mostly space and it's not wasted space. So we don't know. I mean, we don't know how much space it takes for us to come into being. It could be that it takes all that space just to make us. We don't really know, but I don't know. I, but if they are out there, God created them and they need a savior. So then you have to ask yourself things like, well, does Jesus appear to these people on their worlds or does it all come through us? And that's why the Pope was talking about it. It's like, well, if they come here, we're, we'll baptize them. You know, you want to join up. <laughs> it's no different than the old days when, you know, the faith revealed through, you know, God revealed himself through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He had to start somewhere. Like that was where the seed began. And now, you know, you've got the faith. We're grafted into that. We're, we're Hebrews by, by, uh, by um, proxy, you know, through Jesus, our savior. So, uh, and, and now the faith is spread around the whole world. Who's to say it won't spread around the whole universe, you know, and the Bible talks about God created the world, but the world, if you look at the actual original world, it's cosmos. You know, isn't that interesting? That means all that there is, which would include alien worlds if they're out there. I think that we all abide by one God. I agree. And, you know, now the thing about UFOs with everything paranormal, things that are appear to be paranormal usually are explainable. You know, 
old houses make noises. They creak at night. You know, the wind rustles and makes uh, trees wave. And then the moonlight casts shadows on the wall. And so, you know, you're a little kid in your bed and you might want to pull up the blankets because you're getting a little nervous. You know, you, you hear these noises, your imagination runs wild. And it may all very be, it may just be something explainable. Same thing with UFOs. They're usually, you know, I hate to use the, the old term swamp gas, but, you know, there's things like that that explain a lot of phenomena. You know, if you've never seen planets, you know, and certain things and being an Air Force veteran, I've worked specifically with the, with the Space Force, and I've seen, you know, rockets in flight, the most high-tech things that are out there from the, you know, F-117, the V-2 bomber, all these kind of things actually in, in operation, and they're amazing. Flying wings were already out there in 1947 when uh, Kenneth Arnold first reported what became known as flying saucers, but it really wasn't a saucer shape he was describing. He was describing something skipping across the sky like a saucer. And if you look at his drawing, it actually looks like a flying wing. Now I, I get into this in, in the Paranormal Christian book too, when we're talking about like things that are explainable. Uh, ben Rich of Skunk Works said during his time, he said that there are things that are 50 years ahead of anything that anybody knows about. And there's something like a $90 billion black budget that, and this is a known thing, which is, which is executed outside of the oversight of Congress. So a lot of these things like with the ATIP program, things that the, the Navy pilots have experienced and all that could very well be our own secret stuff. That's just at a much higher level that, uh, that only the top brass. It's kind of interesting. You hear these stories. Pilots are all up in arms, these lieutenants and captains that are flying these planes. But then they talk about strange men in suits coming on, collecting all the tapes. Everything is deleted. And somehow the skipper's not sweating it. Well, that tells me probably the skipper was read into the plan, knew about it at his <laughs> security level. Maybe the pilots don't know. They could be testing them against the pilots. You know, I mean, the government has done things like that. Not to be all conspiratorial, but that's facts. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's like the more the more like esoteric things that people might see. I mean, when I was in Borrego Springs, I was there sky watching with my son back in 2016. You know, I saw an unidentified aerial phenomenon or whatever they want to call it. Now they're calling them UAPs. I like the old school UFO. I think that's a cool name. I don't care about the stigma. If something's unidentified and it's flying, then it's an unidentified flying object. Doesn't mean it's from the outer reaches of, of, the, of the galaxy or, or another galaxy. It could just be, I don't know what an, an F-16 looks like, but I do know what these things look like. I've seen them. I see, I know what this space station looks like in orbit because I've been sky watching since I was a little kid. I've always had my eyes to the stars and the many, many, many times I'm laying on my back, I'm looking at this constellation, this heavenly body. If you're in a dark sky area like Borrego, you can even see, you know, the Andromeda galaxy, things like that. All of those many, many, many times I'm not seeing UFOs all the time, but I tell you in Borrego, I saw a flash, like an oval light came in the sky and it's like an eye opening into an oval shape. And then closing up. I didn't know what it was, but now I've watched in movies and things. And when they show like a portal opening and closing, that's kind of what it looked like. So maybe I was seeing something. I mean, I know I saw something. I mean, I definitely saw it. What was it? But a lot of times it's just helicopter and airplane, the planet Venus, swamp gas, things like that. It can be all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then you talk about uh, the close encounters, though, when you talk about the abduction experiences, which I know are real, they're real phenomena people are experiencing. But honestly, sounds a whole lot like the nefarious demonic type things. That's where I will go there because a lot of the research that's not being published is that calling on the name of Jesus is making alien abductions stop. The experience is stopping. And also I have to you know, call foul on the fact that most of these experiences, they start and end in the person's bed. So you mean to tell me that you got beamed up to this, this, this craft and you know, you had all kinds of horrible things happen and then they tucked you neatly into your bed. You know, that's like, I mean, I'm thinking we wouldn't have ever even seen you again. I know it's a real thing and I'm not trying to make fun of the folks that are going through this, but it's so much like 
spiritual oppression experiences that other people have, night terrors, people being that people are usually, they're usually paralyzed. They usually see things. This happens through the incubus and succubus experiences that's been reported and the church has acknowledged it. I mean, the church fathers talked about this happening to people hundreds of years ago. So it's nothing new. Now they call themselves different from different things. I mean, the Bible says that that Satan will appear as an angel of light. So, I mean, they shape shift their forms to, to, to suit us. So what you might be seeing as an alien gray, that just could be a demon, you know, I mean, just appearing as something different. I'm not saying that it, it could not happen. It couldn't be the thing that they think that it is. But, you know, if, if these were people from, you know, Andromeda system, whatever, and you say, Jesus, who's Jesus? Who's this uh, carpenter? man from 2000 years ago, his name, you're saying Joshua, if it wasn't a spiritual experience, then why would calling on the name of Jesus make it stop? And I say that because I want you to try it, folks. If you're having these things, the Bible says it's the name above all other names. You can't call him Lord without the Holy Spirit being enacted. Like it's, I'm not saying it like a magic spell, like an incantation. Like I'm saying, like you call out to Jesus, you're saying Jesus, or you say, Abba father, you say, God help me. You know, that's faith coming out you know, the demons cannot, cannot abide by the light. I'm telling you. That's good stuff. Good stuff. You know what? I know people are excited that book two is out. And for those of you who have not heard of the book, it is titled The Paranormal, the Paranormal Christian. Christian. Yes, ma'am. That's it. That's the name of the book, The Paranormal Christian Book Two, The Quickening, you know, more true stories of the strange and unusual in the Christian life. And of course, there's the Paranormal Christian Book one, which is the introduction, and that's kind of like lays the groundwork. Both books have kind of their own unique spirit. They could both be enjoyed independently. Most people start with book one, and after they, they read book one, they can't wait to read book two. And like I said, I, I, I'm, I'm here for you. You can reach me on richarddlewisauthor.com. All my socials are linked up there. I'm on Instagram. I'm on uh, Twitter. I'm on Facebook. The Paranormal Christian has its own site on Facebook. And I'm also, uh, I mentioned earlier that I'm a journalist. I'm, I'm into sports. I review movies. So it's not just paranormal things or things about spirituality, news, current events. I'm into all of it. So even if you're not into any of this stuff, but you like, you know, action movies, horror films, superhero films, you want to find out what's a good movie, connect with me on LA Film Reviews. And again, all of that's on my uh, website, richarddlewisauthor.com. Wow, Richard, I did see that you definitely have a a very colorful background. You were in the Air Force. You've done a lot of different things. But I think that that's good stuff, too. Very interesting. Well, it's been an adventure, but I think the the one um, key element ties it all together, other than, of course, my faith in my Savior, Jesus Christ, is I'm a storyteller. And so um, that manifests in many ways. I mean, I'm an artist and a storyteller. And so from the time I was a little kid, I was writing stories, writing skits, you know, things for um, for school, church plays, being in choir, being in drama, doing little theater as an adult, a drama club as a, as, a, as a teenager, whether it's in broadcasting, spot production, independent films, novels. I wrote my first novella when I was 13. When I was wow. 12, I took my stories to the, um, the Greensboro News and Record there where I grew up. I actually 12 years old. I went to the editor. I told you I was like, I was all over the place. I had my alligator shoes. I had my, my blazer and I had my jeans and I went and I marched up to the, to the top floor to see the editor. And I don't know, God bless those people, but you know, they see it, this skinny little 12 year old kid with his little satchel. And they're like, you know what? And they, you know what? They had me sit outside in his office. That was back in the day, whenever, you know, a senior executive had an office and had, you know, an admin person with a desk and like a couch or something. And you waited to Mm -hmm. go in that back door. And I waited a few minutes and he let me in. He looked at all my stuff. He encouraged me. He didn't publish me. He gave me some song and dance about, you know, syndication, whatnot, and this, that, and the other thing in Chicago and New York, and we're here and this and that. But 
he encouraged me and I left his office that day and said, okay, maybe I didn't get published today, but I will be published one day. And of course I've been published many, many times ever since uh, as a songwriter, poetry, you know, I got my book series, all those things, magazines, newspapers, and, and I'm just, I'm into all of it. And I just, I just love all of it. And it's just like journalism, writing, storytelling, disseminating information, sharing facts, sharing knowledge, sharing the love. I mean, I'm all about it. That's good stuff. Richard, thank you so much for writing this series. I'm excited about it. Oh, thank you, Shantae. I'm, I'm really excited about, about it. it too. Hey, and if you, if anybody out there has questions, connect with me on my socials. I talk to people directly. You know, I'm not all foo-foo with it. You got questions, you don't understand something, you want some clarification. Hey, I'm just a believer like you. You know, I'm just, I'm just a curious seeker like you. And I'm all about, let's help each other. Let's figure it out together. I love it. Thank you so much for hanging out with me for this last hour. I mean, I'm serious. I'm a book reader. I still hold the books, Richard. And like, I'm still very much appreciative that authors are out there. And I'm like, keep writing those books. Well, I want to bring hope to people. Ultimately, that's what I'm trying to do is to let them know that there's there's more to it than what you see. There is hope. There is there is life after death. I want you to have hope about your departed loved ones. I want you to be comforted. And I want you to know that God loves you. Thank you, Shantae, again for having me. Thank you so much for coming on Authentic Talks and for hanging out with me, Richard D. Lewis, author.com. The book is available on Amazon today, you guys. All of the information for Richard is in the show notes, and I hope that you enjoyed the episode and found value. Please be sure to share with the family members, your friends, coworkers, and While you're on Amazon, if you pick up that book for Richard, please be sure to leave a review. This helps our authors out so much. And for those of you who truly enjoy reading, I have a book available as well. Jam with me, A Journey to Your Higher Self. Meditation, A Bridge to Finding Inner Peace is available on Amazon. There are so many amazing books out there, you guys. Reading is one of the ways that helps us to grow and stretch. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I'm sending you all tons of positive energy. And thank you again, Richard, for coming on Authentic Talks. I enjoyed the episode. And yes, I love the fact that he loves writing books, you guys. A jack of many trades. Until next time, you guys, take care of yourselves and each other. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I'm Shantae with authentic talks.